Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. With us, um, just also a reminder: we're equipping people. Uh, Coastal College is um, um, heading into July, the, uh, August. We're head, heading into our, uh, our next first year, and so really want to encourage those that are wanting to learn to make yourself available, sign up. Connect Corner has all the information. They're also going into their second year, so really, we're really encouraging you to, to invest the time, invest your life. It will bring a great reward and a great return. So if you study the Word of God. I also want to let you know that if you can't do the course and you are interested in the material, come and see Kim. Come and see the Connect Corner. They will allow you to have it as a program that you can listen to and study with, alongside with them, obviously, um, if you're not signed up, you can't get the credentials at the end of the day, but you do get equipped with the Word. So it's made, been made available for us to learn outside of signing up. And so I just want to let you know that that's available. So I'm excited about uh, the Word of God this morning. Are you guys ready? Um, I'm just blessed with uh, the opportunity to be able to talk around Father's Day. And uh, Father's Day, uh, I know that Mother's Day, you kind of get the Proverbs 31 thing. And Val blew holes in that. She really um, took the superwoman out of Proverbs 31. And, uh, and most of the time, us fathers, we get a, lost, a list of things that we need to accomplish, that we need to, to, to set benchmarks in our lives. And man, I never attain to it. I, never, I don't think I can make it because, man, it's easy to preach it from up here, but to live it. Here's another story. So I don't want to play heavy on the lists of things we need to be as fathers. And so I'm going to forget that. I'm not doing that today. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting myself a break today, um, especially as fathers. But I'll tell you what, I want to take Paul's advice, though. Paul gave the greatest advice in Romans 2.4. He says that the goodness of God, I've placed the, the goodness of Father, leads one to repentance. That word repentance, uh, the religious... Uh, World made it a, a, a thing, man. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to earn your 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 the, the the right to change that kind of thing. But no, that word is metanoia. Metanoia means I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to change my heart. But the goodness of God does that. So if I present the goodness of God to you today, I know it'll grab your heart and it will steer you in the direction he wants you to go, because that is how God's goodness works. And so um, today I've titled the, the, the message, The Father's Goodness. I really uh, want to be able to rub that into you, the, an, an understanding of the Father's goodness to us. Uh, and you could, Fred, when you finish listening to the message today, you're going to find out how much of the, the scripture is up there um, uh, of what I'm preaching today. So the Old Testament has very little, and it says about God as being Father. We know him as the God who came and judged. He came and delivered. Um, he, he came with power and he came with glory. He had all these attributes that are expressed in the Old Testament. But only Jesus came and introduced us to Father. It is in the New Testament that the Son came down and introduced us to God the Father. Rattled the religious cages because they had never been introduced to God as Father. And if we don't get that characteristic, that dimension of God, we are going to miss it in our faith. 
Because if you don't get Father right, um, it, it's, it, you're going you're gonna to miss the plot. And so here we see in Luke 11 when the disciples come to him and said, uh, for, uh, Jesus teaches to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father. Starts the language of family, starts the language of Father, speaks the, the, that um, into and announces it. And more is spoken about Father in the New Testament than we see anywhere in the, in the, in the Old Testament. In John 14, um, 9, it says here that he who has seen me has seen the Father. So we have Jesus now coming, not only is the Son telling us about the Father, but he says, I'm going to represent the Father. And if you see me, you see the Father. And so that is how um, God wants us to have a look at it. And so my question to you today is, what do you think the Father is thinking of you? What does the Father think of us? What does he think of us? Right here, right now. Not when you've kind of done all your, checked all your boxes and said the nice things and, and taken the cake to your neighbor and, and you've done all the nice things, church. Where, uh, what does he think of you right now? Do not put the pattern of your earthly father in the picture because it normally distorts the whole thing. If you understand father as our earthly father, us earthly fathers are still haven't made the cut. We are still a work in progress. And so our, our, our kids have to cut us some slack. You know, especially my eldest. He, ha, I mean, he, he's a trial run. I, I haven't been a dad before, so he, he, he's going to have the brunt of all my mistakes. And so that's just what happens. So what is, what is his opinion of us? Do we think he's looking at us, at you and me, and, 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 um, our, and he has our past in mind? Is that what he's thinking about us? Um, right now, this very moment, do you, is he think he, do you think he's distant because of our sh- behavior and our shortcomings? Do you think that's what he's thinking? Because um, um, you, you may have him as a harsh father, a strict father, a judgmental father, because it's a pattern that you kind of learned from the religion, the religious people, or you learned from the example as your father. And so, um, and, and we feel that we have this whole behavioral checklist that we have to go through to jump through the hoops. And if not, we don't, we don't make the cut with our father or we kind of in an in a arm's distance situation with him. How do we answer these and how we see these things? Uh, it definitely will affect how we approach father. And so we need to kind of, as much as possible, dismantle those kind of understandings of who Father is because he's not like that. And so if we, if we get it right, then we are open to receive and experience his love. If not, we're going to be closed and fearful and distant. And so we can be in the house, but not at home. We can be in our faith, but really we're just not connected. And so we need to have a look at that. So I want to pick up the parable that we sang. Have surprise for that the parable that best shows the Father's goodness. I want to pull it out, and um, Jesus talks about it, um, and it's recorded in Luke 15. He there mentions three different lost situations. He's trying to explain something to the hearers in that time. And so he speaks about the lost coin and the lost sheep, and then he talks about the lost son. And, he, and I want to show you the heart of Father there. Some of the titles that you see in the, in the, in the Bible, it says, and uh, some translation says it's the lost son, or it's about the two sons, or it's about the parable, uh, the, the prodigal son. It's about the prodigal son. And uh, I want to unpack that. But let's pick up the story just so we can have some content to, to, to chew on today. But in Luke 15, verse 11, it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. 
A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my, my share of your estate, of your estate, um, of, of uh, your estate now before you die. So his, his father agreed to divide his wealth between his, his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he, he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great, a great famine swept over the land and he began to, and began to starve. So he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. And I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, <laughs> his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in, in, in the house and put it, put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the, 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 kill the calf we have been fattening. And we must celebrate with the feast for the son of mine was dead, has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So he began to party. I tell you, there's so much richness in there. I want to just look at the three different hearts that are in this, in this, in this portion of Scripture. And obviously, there's still more that I want to, want to read just to, to unpack. But the father and the two sons, they had hearts of different postures. And we need to just look at that. Why do I want to talk about the heart? Because the heart reveals really who you are. The heart of the person He's kind-hearted. He's generous, and she's generous. And it's interesting uh, that, um, that I just hang around you a little while, and your mouth will reveal your heart. <laughs> you will, because here in Matthew 12, 34, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It will speak. It will say. It'll give you your political agenda. It'll give you every kind of agenda that you have what you think, it'll come out. Proverbs 15, seven says, mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. So out of your heart comes this. And so your heart is telling you. And so here we hear the hearts of, of, of those in the story. In Romans 10, nine and 10, it talks about that if we confess with our mouth what we believe in our hearts, that Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. Because your heart is persuaded that Christ is King, Christ is Savior, Christ is Lord, and you say it with your mouth, it, 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 it's a clarity of where your heart is. Let's tackle the Father's heart. Why the Father's heart? Because, man, I want to really put the, 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 the heart of hearts right up front so we can have a good model to look at and, and have as an example. Let me deal with this word prodigal. 
<laughs> so I studied this week, prodigal. Um, the Bible doesn't translate the, 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 there's no translation, there's no word in the Bible, any translations that, that says prodigal. Uh, uh, whether it's a word prodigal or prodigal son, the word prodigal has been mean to, to, to be lost or, or rebellious or wayward. It's kind of when you're in a prayer meeting and say, well, I'm, I want to pray for my, my, my prodigal son or my prodigal daughter or my prodigal spouse or my prodigal friend. And it gives you that they, they're wayward and, and they're rebellious and they're out there. And so, it, but let me tell you what the word really means. Exceedingly generous lavishly wasteful. <laughs> and I thought, okay, the prodigal is not the son. He's an idiot. <laughs> he is not the prodigal. He's not exceedingly generous or lavishly uh, uh, wasteful. The prodigal father is more accurate. That's what you need to title this, the prodigal father, because he was exceedingly generous and lavishly wasteful. I mean, here he is, he cashes in his whole, his whole well-being and gives his young son the inherit, his portion of the inheritance. Now, is that exceedingly generous and lavishly wasteful? Amen. Knowing full well his character can't carry the cash. Knowing that his son's character cannot carry the cash, but he still does it. Why? I have to ask him in heaven why he does that, because I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more reserved in doing that, cashing in everything. But we had a pastor, Mike Andre, that married Val and I way back in Zimbabwe. And in his early 20s, his dad passed away, and he had this massive chain of pharmacies that, um, that um, was very wealthy, very successful. And so, but his dad had written in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the trust and that, that he would only be able to get that inheritance when he was 40 years old. His dad was clever because... This young buck shows you what happens when you can't handle, your character can't handle the cash. He was allowed to use the money to do education, so he went to Bible school, he educated his kids, he was allowed to do that, but to get the full brunt of it in his, in his bank account, only at 40. And he, he thanked his father and he says, I was not mature enough to handle that wealth. It would have destroyed me. And sometimes, uh, but there is a, a, a lesson that I, this youngster learns in this story that um, obviously the, fa the father finds very, very valuable. Um, it's interesting that um, on these RVs that you see traveling in the Midwest, it says, yeah, spending my, my kid's inheritance. But this mess, I, I think it's quite, quite, quite cool. And so, <laughs> and yes, here we say, man, the, the youngster was a party animal. Let me just tell you, the father was a party animal. I mean, what does he do? The first thing he does when his son gets back, he, he cracks a party. I mean, he also, so it's father like son, you see that. But you see the religious eyes are more disturbed by the condition of the youngster than his lost condition. They're more concerned about what he's been up to than that he was lost and now he is coming back to. Do we have those kind of religious eyes or that kind of religious heart? Are we more concerned about the, 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 what they're doing than that they are lost because they've got to come back. And so here we see the father is the prodigal. He's exceedingly generous, lavishly wasteful. Why? Because he reinstates the identity of, of, of his son, brings the robe, the family, the family uh, the colors. He brings it. Um, if you go to um, Harlan's house, it's going to be a Miami jersey. I'm sure it's going to be a Miami um, 
NFL jersey. That's what's going. That's the colors. He then t- grabs the and, and gives him back the authority, the ring. The ring in those days was like the credit card, the company credit card, the family credit card. He gets the credit card, and then he gets his dignity back. He gets his shoes back because no servant to slave are the ones that have no shoes. He got his dignity back. So the father was lavish in bringing all that back to him. And so here we see in 1 John 3, verse 1 in the NIV, it says um, that, that the father was lavish towards us. He says, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I want us to be persuaded today when I ask the question, what do you think the father's thinking of you? You need to understand, man, he's, I'm his child. He lavishes his love on me. The, what, I want to look at the young, the, the young son's heart because your belief affects your behavior. So he believed, man, I can do better than my dad. I can go and, and, and work it out by myself. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to take to the road and I'm going to make a, better, a greater success. I tell you what, there's two ways you learn in life, your mistakes and the mistakes of others. I'll hang around those guys that make a lot of mistakes so I don't have to make their mistakes again. So you need to work up. And so he left home and uh, said, no, I'll do better than my father in my father's house. And we who are away from the father's house have a list of reasons why we don't want to come back to the back home. Firstly, we don't even know that there is a home to come back to. That's why we need to have these times where we understand who, where we are that we are home with God, that we were home with Father, and that we can invite people that don't know there's a home that come. There is a home, and you, can, and you have a Father. And so many of some of them have shame. Some of them have anger. Some of them have disappointment, failure, and just time away from God saying, I don't know if God will have me back. You have all these disappointments and all this unforgiveness. All these things are holding people back from coming home. And man, this youngster had a list of them, why he couldn't have come back home. I mean, his, his elder brother listed, listed, listed one of them. And, he's, and, he, and, and he, how come he didn't come back? So we choose to remain in a distant land in our hearts and our minds. You can be right in this building or watching me on live stream and your heart is distant. Your heart is in a distant land. You're here, but you're not here. You're not home. You're kind of just, okay, I'm checking the box and I'm going to do my thing this week. And God, Father's saying, come home. Come hang around with me. And that's what God wants. So we choose to remain in a distant land. Yes, sin separates, but God knows our address. <laughs> no matter how sin separates, God knows our address. And no matter how far away you are, he can see a long, long way, God the Father. This Father every morning must have stood there and looked at the horizon or come in the evening saying, now, if he took off from that distant land, he should be coming in at about three o'clock. I'm gonna be watching. And he's been watching. And the, God the Father has been watching us. And when I came back at that school hall in Zimbabwe and I gave my life to Christ, he saw me coming. He saw me coming and he says, preacher, it's time to preach the word and tell him, he must come home, and he did, and I came home. And so that's what, that's what the Father can find us. And when, and when, we, and the, when the son, son came to his senses, I'm believing God today that some people come to their senses and understand how much the Father loves them. No matter what crud you're in or crud you've been in or crud you think you're in, I wanted you to understand that, man, I don't know if you know the word crud, but anyway, I'll just throw it out there. It's... It sounds mucky, okay, so, but it is mucky, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, is that American word? Whoa, okay, I'm okay, I'm checkbox, all right. But Jesus has made, us a, made a way home for us. John 14, 6 says, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I have made a way home for you guys. I'm the truth and the life, and no man come to what? Not God, but Father, except through me. So he's made a way for us. Many want to work and get clean before they come home. Get that stinking thinking out. There's no ways you're gonna make it. Religious call it being getting holy. I wanna tell you, you can't get righteous, you can't get holy outside of being with the Father. You gotta come to the Father, the Father will sort it out. Father's the only one that can make us holy. He says, come home and we'll work on the cleaning up issue. Just come on home. And he knows what pace he needs to work at with me. It's been a long while, but he's still working. But I I, I make sure I'm in the process. Father's grace, forgiveness through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection cleans us up. Listen to this though. Holiness is not what Father wants from us. Everybody says, well, the Father wants me to be holy. He wants me to be holy. No, 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 no. Listen to this. Holiness is what the Father wants for us. Not from us, for us. And only He can apply that to us through Christ's robe of righteousness. And that's, holiness is set aside. And what's holiness? Well, the yes coffee need a knife to cut their lovely bagels or their lovely waffles. And so this is in the church. And so I bring my knife and I separate it unto yes coffee. I make it holy. I, I make it separated to cut the, the waffles in, in Yes Coffee at the church. So it's separated. That's what happens when you come to Christ and you come to the Father. He makes us holy. He, and it's, it's holiness for us, not from us. So you've got this great demand upon us. And that's why I'm not laying a list of heavies on us fathers today. We just got to come to him and he equips us. He helps us. And we don't, we, we don't make ourselves holy by changing our behavior. Now stop doing this and stop doing that. No, no, no. No, no, don't, don't even try there. Father makes us holy by making us innocent. Father makes us holy by making us innocent. He justifies us. When I say yes to Jesus, it's justified never sinned before. It cleans up my whole past record and my present record and my future record is all taken care of at Calvary. And that's where I am. And that's the fact. And so that's where I am. He, and the Father makes me holy because he makes me innocent. That's how he does it. And we are forgiven and innocent in Christ. The Father wants us home. And then he'll work out the stuff. I thought of this. The Father is a transformer. Have you seen these movies where they transform everything? I, I mean, I still have uh, um, a friend, Denise, little boy, John. He comes up with all these things. It says this thing can transform, and it transforms from like a vehicle into this robot thing. And, 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 that's, and I realized the Father's like that. He's a transformer. He transforms us from sinner to saint. Have you seen that transformation? You should have seen the yuck yuck I used to be and what he's done and what he's still going to do. So just watch this space. Watch this space. And, and so he, when, he, when you come home, he gives us that, he gives us that ring, he gives us that, that, the robe, and he gives us the shoes for free. Then the sanctification begins, and as you hang around him, 
It's like uh, I talk, keep telling you, you, a nail is not magnetized, but you hang around the magnet long, in it, long enough, you become magnetized. If you hang around God, all this yuck yuck stuff falls off. You don't want to do it anymore because you're in such a relationship with God. When the power of sin is broken in your life, I tell you, the transformation starts happening. You can start seeing. We see through, I mean, we see in part, but when we start hanging around God, we start seeing and saying, man, that, that's what happened to me, man. I, I, I was in the military, tearing the wallpaper off the walls with my language, instructing people. And when I gave my life to Christ, I realized this is not good language for somebody who belongs to the king. And in two weeks, my language changed and my instruction and my instructing with men improved because most of them just don't understand that one word that we keep saying in so many different ways in a, in, in a foul language. They don't understand that and you don't get the right results, but the power of sin. And then the Holy Spirit gets involved. Oh, then, then it's over. The word of God pops off the page and I'm reading there innocently in my lazy boy and then the zoom zoom word just bounces off the page and whacks me and I'm thinking, now I need to deal with that issue. And I want to, why? Because I know there's something that, 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 that's between Val and I, I want to deal with it. Why? Because it's an obstruction to our intimacy. I want to deal with it. And that's what, the, that's what the father does. And so the prodigal father's love changes us. Man, when he comes in there, I'm smelling like a pig pen. I've done all these things. I have the shame in me. And he just throws his arms around me and kisses me all over. And I'm thinking, I don't deserve this. And it melts me. And it melts me. And that's what happens. Grace, mercy, forgiveness affects change. It becomes the metanoia in my life. It causes me to change my direction because I'm so loved. We are not changed to be accepted we live changed because we are accepted. Sin had us sunk. We stared down that whole barrel of eternal, of a godless eternity. We are staring down that barrel. Oh, and then Jesus came and made a way for us to go home. And, when now, and now we live with such an attitude of gratitude that makes, causes repentance in our life. Let's look at the last heart before I close today. The, eld the eldest son's heart, picking up at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what is going on? Your brother is back. Well, that must have gone over like a lead balloon. <laughs> he was told, your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because he is he, he, of his safe return. Even the, even the servants were invited to celebrate there. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Yeah, look at the father's heart. He says, man, I would just leave that sulking boy out there. No, he went out there and begged him. But he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And, and, and in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, 
Does that sound similar, familiar? When our kids are great, it's our, my kid. But when it's not, you see what your kid is doing. <laughs> hey? So what happens. Your son comes back. Not to mention that it's his brother as well. Back after squandering your, your money on prostitutes. That was a highlight in his news that he got. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, listen to the father's heart language here. You have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. My, here the the son is in the house and he doesn't even know that he's a son in the house. He doesn't know that he's got the same ring that can sign away because it's all his. I mean, he doesn't know that. That all the animals that he's taking care of, he can slaughter one of those anytime he wants. And many times we as believers are walking around in the house and not understanding all the benefits that we have, all the giftings, all the wonderful joy things that God has paid for us and given us, and it's our inheritance. There was two unhappy creatures that the young son was back, the eldest brother and the fatted calf. <laughs> They're not happy, especially the fatted calf. Yeah. Both sons were lost. One in a distant land, the other one in his heart. One was physical, the other one uh, physically was away, the other one was emotionally away. The good father went to look for both of them. He went out and he ran and he, and, and, and to the, the son that came back. And then when the son was sulking outside, he went outside to the elder son. You know, a sulking kid is one thing. A sulking adult is disgusting. <laughs> and God have mercy if I come across your path and you're sulking. You're going to have the wrath of Rod because it's ridiculous. An attitude is a choice. So stop having gravel rash on your bottom lip. Shake a leg and come alive. Come on. Hallelujah. Okay, it's when, it's, it's when you get a roasty on, on, the, on the asphalt or in gravel, your t- lip is dragging on the ground because you're such a sulky thing. Hallelujah. Both, both had a servant or a slave mentality. The younger son returned as a servant. The elder said, I've slaved for you all these years. Don't find yourself as a believer and in the walk of faith thinking, man, I have to do this. This is a a box I have to check. I have to be in the connect corner. I have to be a greeter. I have to help the kids. I have to do the teens of all things. Don't do that. We get to do this. We get to build kingdom. We get to connect hearts and touch lives. What a pleasure. I want us to understand this, that the story doesn't tell us how it ends. How does it go on? Does this youngster, thanks dad for the party and leave home again? We don't know that. I want you to know that everybody that comes into our sphere, into this home, anywhere, we're going to love them the best we can. But if they move on, they move on. If they walk away, they walk away. But our job is to love them while they're in our sphere and give them the best Jesus we can. Because it's not our responsibility to keep them and have them saved. The father wasn't going to do that. He was just going to lavish his love on him. And that's what he did. So there's no guarantee 
that, 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 that they were going to stay off. Maybe the eldest brother got an idea and said, well, I'm going to cash it in and I'm going my way as well. Better hurry up, Rod, and land this plane. Hallelujah. Our job is to love and embrace those that are returning home or those who are looking in and saying, can I make this home? We need to do that. We can't wait to, for the lost to change before we embrace them and love them and accept them. Your love and acceptance may just tip the scale for them to come to Christ. So just love unconditionally because that's how we were loved and we need to accept them. We had a girl named Jen. She came with uh, Jerry Maria's daughter, Ashley, and they were doing a course down at Daytona College around sound and music and all that. And so she got to be invited to be a part of the Sunday gig, she used to call it. Not a saved girl. But she came and for, faithfully for two years and played the saxophone and she was part of us. We had witnessed her, witnessed her, witnessed her, love her, invite her, treat her like family. And then Lynn Swart came here, those who know Lynn, and she was preaching, uh, about to preach, and she was stand, right there where, 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 where um, Sue sits. And I'm sitting worshiping there where Alex is. And then in my peripheral vision, I just see this girl leap straight over the chair and land on her knees here. He says, I've got it. Wow. Boom. The father touched her. How can you have an unsaved person up here playing the saxophone? Do you know how nervous God got? <laughs> Absolutely zero. She was a sweet girl. She wasn't living a debauched life, anything else. We loved her. You keep her around the pond long enough, they eventually fall in. You understand that? That's a good strategy for us, you know? How welcoming are we? The, the, is the, the prodigal father threw his love around the son. His extravagant, generous, lavishing love. Man. And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Listen to the statement. The kiss came before the confession. The kiss came before the confession, church. He got a hug and a kiss, smelling like a pig pen, before he even said, Dad, I'm not worthy to be a part of the son. Can I just be a servant? And his dad just totally ignores the statement, and he says, get the robe, the ring, and the shoes. Just go and get that, because my boy was dead, and now he's alive. The prodigal son threw his arms around him. The kiss came before the confession. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still smelling like a pig pen. Heaven sent the best to come and get us. That is the love of the Father. That is the love. The lost want to come home, but there are a couple of obstacles. Some of the obstacles are the men that don't even know that it's a good father. Are we a good billboard? Are we a good ambassador? Are we a good representation of a good, good father? Are we? Because when they see it in us, they want to want to have what we have. And we've got to be that, that person. Or has, 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 has information about God's fear, uh, judgment, and, and wrath and punishment come to them before his goodness has come to them? I mean, lots of people are saying, no, I'm not going to hang around a God like that. I'm going to get nuked anyway because I'm telling God I'm out of step. Instead of knowing that the Father will embrace you and give you a kiss before you have to confess anything. And that's what the... How about, uh, is there some elder brothers? 
those religious self-righteous ones who place conditions and, and hoops and requirements for somebody to come to Christ. When you sort your act out, then we'll, we'll pray the sinner's prayer. No, you can't be that eldest brother because if the eldest brother came across the youngest son first, there would be no chance of him having any party or even coming close to his dad. And that's what happens with some of the people that, 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 that are so-called religious. Man, it just by God's grace, you made it into the doors. And we got to be, be careful on that. So remember, change is a process. It takes time. It took Jen two years to jump over that chair and fall on her knees. Two years before she did that. Many walk away because of the elder brother. Make sure we don't have the elder brother's heart. Don't have that. We had an interesting thing. I got Val up to preach. It's always a challenging, um, uh, prayerful thing that I have to have when Valerie preaches because she decided, no, the music and the team are all going to dress controversial. Okay, not, not, anyway, so she does that. And, um, and before that service, um, word gets out to Dave Cape, who's like, senior apostolic leader, and now he says, listen, I have a guest coming, the Governor General Domokasi from Bonaire. Bonaire is one of the ABC islands. He's like the president of the island. He's coming to, to visit with me, and he wants to come worship with me, and he came worshiping here, and that's the Sunday Valerie is now going to do her controversial uh, dress thing, okay? And so, um, okay, I'm getting there. That's the punchline, sister. <laughs> You're a very sweet, clever, fantastic. Anyway, so Dave says, would you just consider maybe just kind of rearranging it the Sunday? So I said, I'll pray about it, Dave. So I thought I prayed about it. I said, well, Jesus is going to be there. I think Domokasi is just going to have to handle it. Eh? President Domokasi is just going to handle it. He comes here with his limo, comes out with his suit and his pink shirt. He sits right there. And Valerie and the whole team, I've got... Uh, or Rosie Ordway here, sing it, I'll sing for food. Valerie in a, a, a motorbike, chaps, henna tattoos. I mean, she is looking hot. And I, I, we got this whole site up on stage, yeah. And President Domakasi sitting on the front side. Well, it wasn't long. He ripped his jacket off, pulled his tie off, and he got down and worshipped with us. But the reason why we did this is because what happens if those kind of people walk in the door? You say, oh my gosh. I mean, we had a funeral here this last Friday. And it was Hammer. Hammer is a Christian that has put more ink on people's body than I don't know anybody else that's put more ink. And you did tattoos. And some, tattoos, what? Man, if you want to graffiti your body, go ahead, knock yourself out. You're going to leave this thing on earth anyway, and we're going to jet off anyway. So if you think you can do better than what God has done, go and knock yourself out, do it. Remember, tattoos don't age very well, okay? And I want uh, I better hurry up and land this thing, I'll tell you what. But the whole thing is, are we going to attract people? Are we going to repel people? Are we going to be that good signage? Are we going to be a good ambassador? And if the, the Father's not calling us to a code of conduct or code of behavior. He wants us. Hmm. He wants us to have a relationship and a friendship with Him a personal face-to-face, -face. because I'm telling you what, you hang around God, it just, he, he kind of deals with us, and we transform before his very eyes. We are totally helpless and ineffective without the Father. You understand? So you've got to allow him to come in. And I end with this story about a, 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 
Colorado Springs, there was a men's, men's event. There were 16,000 men in this and this guy who was the guest speaker of that night, and he came out from behind the green, from the green room and he came and sat in front and to, to join the, the men as they worshipped. I'll tell you what, when men all together and they, they, they get the pipes going, whew, it gets, it, it, it's, it's quite moving. And so right in the front row, there is a, a space made and a dad was there, and there he was a very handicapped son in the chair, in the wheelchair, right next to him. He had broken, the youngster had broken his neck in a, in a, in a football accident at, at school. And, um, and he was also blind. And so his dad had him right on the front row. And so they got up and they started singing. And as they started singing, dad got up, faced his son. He picked his son up and held his son and with all his might, and with all his gusto, his, his son couldn't even see him. He sang his heart out, those three songs that they had on the set, to his son. And his son, the only thing he did is smiled. His son was totally helpless, totally unresponsive, can't help himself. And the father just sang over him, sang to him, sang to the king that he served. I'm the son. I am the son. I can't do this Christian thing without my dad holding me. And he sings over me. Because Zephaniah says this. I don't know if you ever know that there was a book called Zephaniah. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful song. That's what that dad was doing to his son. That's what God, our father, who absolutely loves us, no matter how badly you stink, <laughs> he loves us. And, and we find ourselves in this disabled situation and God said, don't worry, I will make you able, and I will, I will love you just like you are. Good, good father. His gracious embrace embraces brokenness. His love reaches, receives, and his love is reckless. When you talk about this reckless love, it's just amazing. That handicapped son was helpless, broken, but his dad delighted in him. His dad delighted in him. A couple of questions as I close before we pray. What does the father think of you now? I hope the word of God changed your heart and that you know, man, you are loved. He kisses you all over, that you're the best thing since bubblegum. I tell you what, he is just delightful. How are we gonna respond to that? Are we gonna walk away or are we gonna surrender and receive the prodigal father? You will receive the kiss before the confession, before you even try and say, but dad, but dad, he's, he'll kiss you all over because that's my dad. If you, you're gonna meet Harry, my brother-in-law, He's like that. He, when, he greet, when he meets me, he kisses me. I said, make sure you shave before you kiss me, my friend. <laughs> but that's my father. What's our choice? Are we coming home or are we going to stay distant? And you can stay distant and be right in the room and be distant. Or are we coming home? We have the prodigal father at home. Are we going to come to our senses? Come on home.
Are we going to be like the eldest son, a slave, a servant in the house? I have to. No, I get to. I get to. Are you going to be an obstacle to others? Are you going to block the way or are you going to show the way? Are you going to guard the door or are you going to open the door? Are you going to point the finger of judgment or are you going to extend the hand of help? We have all these choices and our heart's going to tell us which way to go. And we've got to just be led by our hearts. Come on home and the Father will take care of the rest. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Today we see you as the prodigal father. Exceedingly generous and lavishly wasteful because you just, you've got an endless supply of whatever you have, whether it's love, whether it's gifting talent, whatever, it's just lavished upon us. Father, we're awakening to your love. We're awakening to aspects and facets of you that we've, even while I was studying this, Father, I've, I've, I've seen dimensions of your love for me. And I hope today the far, that, that you, your heart of Father has touched the people, touched those that are watching online. So Father, today, will you call those and bring those home that need to come home? And if that's you and you, ha- you want to come home, just come as you are. That day in that school hall, I came as I am. And I was a mess. I was a wreck. I was, yeah, I knew if Jesus showed up, I was in trouble because I was such a mess. But I didn't know Jesus had sorted out my mess and he had paid for my mess and he just wanted me to RSVP an invitation to come to be his son and be his daughter. I didn't know that. And if that's you today, Say, Jesus, I come today. I come as I am. I come back. Father, I come back to your arm. Father, I thank you for the kiss before the confession. I come back to you today. And would you come back and would you hold his hand and let him walk with you. Let him talk with you. Allow him to kiss you all over because I tell you what, it transforms your life. Allow that. And maybe some of us are saying, man, I've been in the way. I've kind of been real religious. I've kind of portrayed the wrong heart of Father. Well, you know where you're at. Holy Spirit knows where you're at and just say, Father, help me. I've made a mistake, man. What do sinners do? They sin. So where you're at, just, just do business with the Father. We've worked out from the word today, there's nothing, nothing that'll stop you from coming to him. Nothing. So Father, we celebrate Father's Day, but truly we celebrate you, who's our Father, and your love today. We celebrate it. We thank you for it. And those that are fathers in the house and those that are watching online as fathers, I just want you to stand where you're at because I want to just pray over you. Dear fathers, if you're not sure if you're a father, stand anyway. We understand. We lived in a broken world. We understand. If you want to be a father, stand up as well. 
those who remain seated, would you stretch your hands towards whoever Father leads you to stretch your hands towards. Father, I thank you that you are our model, you're our example, you are our Father who art in heaven. And your love touches us today. Your love transforms us today. Your kisses make us whole today. And so, Father, I pray over the hearts that are standing, that are represented in front here, of fathers. The wannabe fathers, not sure if they're fathers, and those that definitely know that they are fathers. We bear the scars. <laughs> Father, we thank you. Help us to be good fathers. And as the fathers go, so does the nation go. Allow us to be the good, good fathers like you are our good father. Bless, 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 we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo.